now, this is Box to Box with Rob Gilbert and Michael Edgley. Oh, what a goal! For Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. Absolutely fantastic! Hello and welcome to Box to Box, the show that is everything. Football on Macquarie Radio, NTS News Talk Sport. Here with Rob Gilbert and Michael Edgley. First edition news with Mark Van Aken in a minute, but we've got a bumper show tonight with plenty on in the international game. But just two weeks out from the critical World Cup qualifying tie against Saudi Arabia, we're going to kick off with the Socceroos in focus and assistant coach Ante Milicic to background us on the squad announcement this week, which takes in not only the qualifier, but also the friendly the following week against Brazil and the Confederations Cup. And while the tragedy in Manchester this week was not at a football game, it hit everyone in the city and across the world hard and shot a particularly poignant spotlight on what proved to be United's successful Europa Cup final against Ajax. To give us an insight from a local of both countries, Fox Sports' Simon Hill will be joining us before we wrap up the opening hour of the show, continuing our review of the A-League and looking ahead to the FFA Cup with our man Dean Hennessy. In the second hour, as always, we'll kick off with second edition news. Then we'll talk to a special friend of Box to Box, Jackson Irvine, back home from his star turn in the English Championship, preparing for the upcoming Socceroo campaign. Then Dino returns to talk through all the rest of the international news and we'll wrap it up with stoppage time but Edge what a, what a sad week it had has been um, particularly for Manchester but at least the result uh, from United uh, gave the locals a little bit of happiness. Absolutely but obviously um, uh, well good, good afternoon Rob and good afternoon to all the listeners uh, out there I mean yeah the week's been uh, overshadowed by what's happening in Manchester and especially for people like me who work in the industry uh, we take uh, people uh, in my day job to many um, many events all over the world uh, and uh, when you see uh, an incident like that you can't help think but uh, what implications it's going to have for the future of events all over the yeah, world yeah. whether that's a, an international football match or a, or rock concert so yeah. that's something for us to look on but in terms of the uh, the football during the week the Socceroos squad yeah. it's money time for Ange Postacoglu and his coaching team including Ante Milicic yeah. uh, and that all comes home to roost at Adelaide Oval when the Socceroos play Saudi Arabia. So looking forward to talking to Ante. Uh, what about uh, some really good news, I think, for Matt Leckie, uh, staying in the Bundesliga 1, at uh, transferring from Ingolstadt to Hertha Berlin. And obviously, um, what's really exciting news is Jamie McLaren is going to one of Jurgen Klopp's old teams, Darmstadt. So two Socceroos that will have a big bearing on our uh, successful future. Mm. They've got their, uh, at least their short-term playing career sorted out. And I, I can't, I can't uh, hand over to Mark without asking if he enjoyed ABC2's coverage. Oh, he was loving it, mate. Mm. Of he was the all friendly over social last media. I tell you what, was that a train... The pre-game, <sighs> half-time and post-game officially classified as a train Well, just before we well, came we have a air, whole segment. Yes. Well, look, I was just going to say to you, for this we, role, we, but Yes, we do. We're going to talk stoppage time. Oh, but that, you've but got to uh, talk about it off yeah, the top. No, we do, because it was, it was one of those is, things where the moment it started... It is the worst television in Australian history. Yeah. It's a Dino's laughing in the background. It was absolutely. I've seen some pretty bad television. And yes. I mean, can I be serious? I mean, I I I call Altona Magic games in State League One in mm. Victoria, which is the fourth division mm. of Australian football. Without mm. without giving myself too much kudos, mm. I'm pretty sure we put together a better package than, yeah. than that. Well, if you're in, in the, the media fourth industry, division, you're obliged and I'm to sitting put in a tent. A I'm sitting in a tent. Was the calling? No, but was the call? Bad as well. The no, call the, wasn't great, no, but, but it was, it was okay. The, it was, it was the host. Yeah, if it, if it had the, been the call was a five out of ten. But sorry, Rob. The mm. the intro, the outro, and Jules Schiller, who can I add, is a football guy, 
I love Jules, mm. but gee whiz. And as I said on uh, Twitter last night... Who was the guy wearing the Sydney Olympic shirt? Who was he? I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know who he's and all three of those people are labelled comedians. Really? Really? I thought comedians were supposed to be funny. What about anyway. the guy? What about the guy on the boundary line at uh, at half time? Um, he's got a striking resemblance to a to one of the uh, so sober. So just to answer your question, there, Edge, it was Jules Schiller, Tegan Higginbotham, well, Tegan, Tegan Raskopoulos. Can I give you a heads up, Tegan? Aaron well, fair play to Steve for wearing the Sydney Olympic shirt. I thought that was the most entertaining part of the pregame, <laughs> half time and postgame was the fact that I could look at the screen and say, that's a Sydney Olympic shirt. The guy's wearing a Sydney Olympic shirt. Well done. They're a great club, Sydney Olympic. Very proud and famous club. But what they've got to do with mm, Liverpool sure, and Sydney sure have no idea. To be honest, Michael, but anyway, that's fine. Um, but the, fact it was, the fact that it was on ABC2, which um, for anyone Our with young children knows that it's uh, the children's channel during the day. Home of the bananas. Mate, B1 and B2 would have hosted it better. Do you think... <laughs> Are you thinking what I'm thinking, B1? I think this I is the B2. worst thing I've ever seen in my life, B2. Oh, Mate, dear Jimmy Giggle me. and Hoot the Owl would have been more entertaining. <laughs> Rob's uh, Rob's melting in his chair, listeners, because you know there is an unwritten rule in, in media that you don't you don't can uh, other people's activities. But no, uh, not, we're mate. off the leash here. We're off the leash here. <laughs> there you go. That's that? you know what it is. There's a bear in there. Yeah, opening to play school. It's play school. Yeah, play it's school. Sancho. Has and apparently we're going to see more of there. Tegan because there's a, a there's a comedy. Uh, Sports comedy program, which Tegan uh, Higginbotham. Give it a good up, audition. Tegan. I might give it a miss, Tegan. Bottom Is it Tegan uh, Cottonbottom? Well, oh, well, look, we're going to talk more about this. At, in <laughs> I was going to say, time, we've so just destroyed our entire last segment. But anyway, <laughs> no, that's fine. No, we haven't, because there's plenty um, more to talk about. Uh, what's happening in the news, Mark? There must be a bit going on. Uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> we're still there. Is it April okay. 1 with your first story here? <laughs> well, Sydney could become the permanent home of the A-League Grand Final as part of a New South Wales government plan Please. to bid for the hosting rights for the competition's decider, regardless of the teams competing. Fairfax Media has reported discussions have taken place within the state government to table a bid to Football Federation Australia to secure a long-term hosting rights agreement for the uh, event, commencing as early as 2019. While still in an early stage, the proposal includes ANZ Stadium, Allianz Stadium and a newly So just at the stage where the FFA are having serious struggles communicating with all of the clubs, mm. um, this gets pushed out there. Is this fair income? By Dom Bossy. We did approach Dom to come on tonight. Mm. Non-responsive, Dom, mm. but, which is fine. Mm. But um, you're a New South Wales boy, Rob, and this is not a biased Melbourne, Sydney thing. This is the worst thing I've ever heard. <laughs> it is. It's ridiculous. Seriously. I mean, I, and I just, it, it is I like so it. it is so dumb. Give me a break. I, I like, like it. It, it is so dumb, Michael, that I reckon FFA might go for it. Well, um, it depends how much money is involved. Uh, but it does not matter it happens in how NFL. much money is involved. It, it is in a NRL? stupid, stupid. Yeah, there's a better century of tradition supporting that. You realise the NRL yeah. was born out of the New South Wales Rugby League, right? You realise the AFL was born out of the VFL. I'm just making a point. Yeah, but the, the, the Sydney What's FC can't even is... pack Galleon Stadium to a, a, a you know regular season home game. Um, they what's couldn't sell out the bloody Super Bowl game pl- last night. Hang on, yeah, Su- Super Bowls are played at neutral yeah. territory. Yeah, but three hundred and twenty million people. Yeah. FA Cups played at Wimbley. Yeah, yeah. but, but I mean, but if Super, Newcastle but, but United Super Bowls are played at makes the FA Cup final, the fans get on the train. What's wrong with the fans getting on the plane and the bus to go to Sydney? So Perth playing Adelaide in Sydney. Can't wait till there's 14,000 there for that. Mm. Come on, Edge. You'll be, like you, you're just deliberately taking a provocative You are point, taking you are the P1555 Edgley. All right, so move along. What's happening okay. after that? That's now, boys, the promoters it's, of the... It's in the... 
What are you doing? That story's in the pink. <laughs> now, the promoters in the studio. of the MCG blockbuster between Brazil and Argentina are incensed with the Brazilian Football Federation after it backtracked on its contract <laughs> obligations and said it will shut up, Angela, will not send its strongest squad for the sellout match in Melbourne next month. Anyway, it's all about Neymar. Neymar's not coming. Mm. Now, can I say this? Well, like, Messi get a visa now that he's got a criminal record. He might be in jail. Oh, well, Peter Dutton give him a visa to get into the country. Peter Dutton and probably send him to Manus Island. <laughs> he might go to Manus Island to serve his time. Hey, um, I mean, that was always going to happen. I mean, these people who sign these contracts, I mean, really, come on. Yeah, but we talked What's about this, this at the time. I just think remember paper, talk, talking about at the time um, that um, that you were saying that there would have been very clear stipulations within the contract and there would be severe financial penalties. Oh, and here we You would expect so. Yeah, and clearly not. Oh, clear. I love the well, media report that uh, went alongside this, which you haven't got here, which was the two coaches ran into each other somewhere in South America doing something and they both um, at, the, at the same time said that they didn't want to go to Melbourne. Oh, God. Melbourne in, Ju- in June. It's beautiful. It's yeah, beautiful. It is. Come on. Hey, um, <laughs> Antarctic conditions. <laughs> Can I say... Um, MCG's a good place, though. The reality is, Michael, uh, the, the surely Brazil's not getting paid properly now. Well, surely. I mean, that, I'd be interested in... This happened we, we don't the know, ICC do last we? year. The ICC, which is not back this year. Hmm. Um, the two teams that did not bring the players they were supposed to bring last year did not get rewarded financially. Well you, would, for... well, you would expect that would be the case, but interesting to note that Argentina is bringing all the guns. So that's well, something to look forward on, to if hang you on. They've the named the guns. Yeah, okay. Let's, Let's see what see happens. if they turn up. Anyway, next, what's... Well, at least it's a good warm-up um, when we play Brazil uh, ahead of the Confederations Cup. We shouldn't... It's still... Uh, can we we shouldn't poo-poo the it? intent behind it's this. Still... It's just not executed very well. Hang on. It's still a good squad. And uh, interesting, I was talking to Rob off-air... In my social feed, I got two stories. One from the Herald Sun saying, oh, Neymar's not coming, worst thing ever, you know, fake news. <laughs> Next story from the World Game, SBS was like, strong, strong squad named. This is still an incredibly talented, strong Brazilian squad that's come out for these two games. So let's not ever lose sight anyway, of sold that. sold out, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, it's funny, funny about that, that they waited until it was sold out before uh, we heard that news. Yeah, okay, it is funny. Give us one more, brother. Hey, Heather Garriock, of course, the uh, gun former Matilda, has been named the coach of the Canberra United. We tried very hard to get her on the show tonight, uh, unfortunately. Uh, Heather is uh, otherwise undisposed. but uh, Indisposed. Indisposed. Undisposed? No, indisposed. Yeah, indisposed. Thank you. Uh, anyway, she's uh, she's a former Australian assistant coach who has 130 international caps to her name on an impressive roster. Very, very good signing for Canberra United. Although, I will give a backhander. A little bit disappointing. We could not get her tonight on Macquarie. Would have been great to talk to Heather. News she's good talent. Um, she's always good Let's fun to talk to as well. Let's just assume that um, there was something very pressing and, um, and yeah, it could have everyone's been. allowed uh, state situations. Yeah, but let's uh, give but, um, Canberra... Uh, Canberra United a big tick because yeah. they are uh, known for uh, for appointing coaches in a development sort of capacity and yeah. this is a big big opportunity for Heather and I'm sure she'll take it with both hands. Absolutely. And she is an absolute diamond. Canberra, I think Canberra United are the only one of the only clubs other than Melbourne City, obviously, that pay their full 
uh, salary cap in the W League. There you go. Okay, Rob. Over to you. Good work. Great stuff, guys. Plenty more for news too. And stoppage time. Stick around. There's going to be more talk on Liverpool. We might even uh, wheel some of our old favourites in to make an observation like that. Who's hitting style? Yeah, okay. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, but after the break... Who thinks of Aaron Chin? Stevie. Stevie Jarrard. Okay, well, we'll bring him in to talk about it. Ante Milicic, the assistant coach of the Socceroos. He's on after the break because it's a big, big month in international football for the national side. That's next on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you believe it? The Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. This is his Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport on digital radio, streaming, fire, whatever app your preference is, or perhaps on our podcast, boxtoboxntscomau Now, the clock is ticking till the Socceroos date with destiny against Saudi Arabia in Adelaide just two weeks away, and we're all hoping it'll be the perfect start to what will be a hectic month for the national side with the Brazil friendly and the Confederations Cup soon after. To tell us all about how things are coming together, it's great to have assistant coach of the national side, Ante Milicic, back on the show, mate. Great to have you. Yeah, thanks for having me, gents. So uh, the the nerves starting to sort of tickle in the tummy there, Ante. Um, just two weeks away, mate. Big big game. Oh yeah, I wouldn't say nerves, but um, yeah, more um, you know, looking forward to the excitement. Um, you know, with the with the national team, obviously. Um, you know, there's those breaks in between where we've got to monitor the plays in uh, in the club land. But um, yeah, you did say it's a hectic but more exciting month coming up for us mm-hmm. June. So it's a, it's a big month. There's a lot to look forward to. And, uh, you know, to get the team together for an extended period is uh, for the coaching staff. Um, you know, we look forward to these times where we can, you know, get a lot of work done with the players and, um, and also, you know, test ourselves against some high-quality opposition. And speaking of the squad, how soon do you expect to have the full squad together um yeah, Ange will make the announcement, um, you know, next week. But uh, yeah, constantly monitoring the players, you know, not just their performances on the on the field, but also you know their wellness as well. Looking at their loads, also um, the travel that they've played had as well. So there's a, there's a lot of things to consider. Um, so we've still got some players in, involved uh, this weekend uh, coming up. But um, you know, Ange is. Uh, pretty close to making his decision so um you know next week's exciting times when he doesn't announce the uh, the 23 well it's the money time um ante obviously it's uh, it's a huge match for for the federation and uh, and our hopes for the world cup um just i've just got a few questions i'll just roll off uh, the top of my head uh, tim cahill obviously uh um the a league finished a little while ago he's been um without uh, games for some time what's the impact in terms of uh, your considerations around, you know, who's going to be ready to start the game of not playing for, you know, almost a month. Yeah, well, you, you're right there. You know, you, when, you, when you're picking the um, the overall squad, you've got to consider those things. Not only when you're looking at the A-League uh, teams individually, but also when their season finishes. But you take in consideration as well the experience of the players, what kind of season... You know, they've had what they bring to the squad, both on and off the park. There's a lot of games there, and you must understand as well, if you look at the schedule in the Confeds Cup, there's only two days in between games. So there's short turnarounds as well. But, um, you know, Tim is a very experienced player, and uh, we all know what what he can do and what he does. He's proven it that many times. But he brings a lot to the group, and, uh, you know, he he looks after himself exceptionally well, and you can see um, just how he performed this year with City. So, um, 
you know, Tim's a, an ultimate professional, and I'm sure he's one that's um, going to come under really close uh, consideration from the boss. Well, from the oldest uh, and most experienced member of the squad to um, a young fellow who's just been named after six or seven games for his uh, Dutch uh, team, can you tell us about uh, what can you tell uh, our listeners about the 20 year old uh, winger? Um, uh, who's chosen to play for Australia rather than Bosnia and Herzegovina? We just got him, Edge. They, apparently, they were all over him, That's weren't right, they? Yeah, yeah. What can you tell us about uh, Arjen Hustic? Yeah, I was waiting for you to pronounce the, the name, and you've done well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, he actually well, was, I reckon um, you'd be able to get it spot on. So you, you, yeah. Did we get it uh, right or, or not? Yeah, 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 yeah. Young Hustic, yeah. No, he's, um, he's, he's, a, he's a young boy. He's a left footer, you know, in the way we play. I'm, I'm sure he could slot in as a, as a 10. He um, went away with the Olympic um, team to Spain in March, and, and he did well. His attitude was great. He uh, he performed well not only in, in the games but in training as well. So he's an exciting young player um, that's, uh, you know, made an impact more towards the back end of the season with Cronigan, but he's one that we've been uh, following for a while and, um, you know, we're delighted that um, you know he's, he's made himself available and, and in the squad of 30 at this stage. So um, you know we'll see how that goes because they're still involved with uh, with a couple of games um, in Groningen. So um, yeah, he's an interesting one to look out for when the squad gets announced next week. I read with interest that Ange actually said, I think it was Ange said that he actually coached him when he was 11 mm. or 12. Which is uh, yeah, well, you've got to realise Ange has been in the game for he that has, long. Yeah. There's so much time in, in Australian football. So. Um, I think that's also the beauty as well when you look at, uh, you know, being involved with the young national teams and you had time in club land and, and of course, overseas in Greece and now back with the senior team. A lot of these players, he's uh, crossed paths with, so he's, he, he keeps in touch with as many as he can or he, he watches them closely and monitors. So, uh, you know, he's definitely gone the full circle with um, with young Krustic. Um Can I... I ask you a question about, about a player that uh, wasn't uh, selected in the squad, Matthew mm-hmm. Speranovic, obviously struggling mm-hmm. to get any game time at all in in China. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I assume that you don't, if you're not playing, it's uh, it's hard to get in. Get in. He's been he's been such a an important figure in uh, in the in the in the Socceroos lineup over the last uh, World Cup camp campaign. What can you tell us about where he's at? I mean. Uh... Speranovic, um, every time he's been called on for the national team, he's done an exceptional job. Everyone will remember in um, in Brazil in 2014, he, he was immense for us at the back, a real leader, a real mature. Um, his team got relegated from the, the Chinese Super League, so they've dropped down a division. He's actually um, been injured for a sustained uh, amount of time, and that's probably worked against him in his race for full fitness. And as I said, uh, you know, with the with the amount of games we have in the short recovery in between, and also uh, the travel component as well, um, you know, I think uh, engine consults and with the with the medical staff at, at this um, particular camp decide that uh, you know he, he he wasn't in the in the in the thirty man squad. But um, again, he's uh, He's been great for us every time we've called him on and, and hopefully gets over his injuries and gets a consistent run of games where he can um, you know, be up for consideration in the in the next window uh, late August. 
This is Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport. We're talking to Socceroos assistant coach Ante Milicic ahead of the World Cup qualifier and the Brazilian friendly and the Confederations Cup all coming up in the next month. Now, Ante, um, the opposition, uh, no doubt there's been a hell of a lot of scouting done, but uh, you know these days with uh, with the broadcast uh, arrangements around the world, it's, uh, it's a little easier to, to, to watch um, opposition teams play. They're sitting above us on, on the ladder, so uh, we win this, we go on to 16 points equal with Saudi, and uh, you'd expect that uh, Japan will most likely qualify um, in top spot the way things are going at the the moment um what's your what's your intel on saudi arabia and their prep coming in yeah i'm um, just with um japan you know we still have to play japan um in, in japan so i think uh you know still with three games to go there's a uh, you know nine points is is a lot up for grabs so there's a lot of scenarios there but you know uh, we, we're worrying about um ourselves our own performance we've got uh, two games at home we had a good performance against saudi arabia away and uh, we we know they're um their team quite well as as they do ours. So um, you know we we're just going to focus on getting into camp. We've, we've got the luxury now of getting in a couple of days earlier, which we don't have. So we'll be assembling the following Saturday. So we've got a bit of extra time to work. Uh, you know, with the players, um, we've monitored everyone. So they they they'll come in, in in good condition as well for the match. So um, yeah, look, I think they're probably going to have a mindset where they they'll be happy with uh, with a point. Uh, you know, being away from home and the way the situation is on the table. But um, we've got a very strong record uh, at home particularly and we were undefeated in the group as well. So we'll be going in the game well prepared and, and we'll be very confident that we'll put on a good performance and we know that um, you know, good performances lead to three points. Absolutely, mate. And reading between the lines on those comments, you haven't counted out top spot in the group, but I won't ask you to comment on that, mate. So, um, in terms of uh, some of the players coming in from uh, out of the country, can you can you name us two or three of your, you know, your informed players? You know, for example, the likes of Aaron Moy that um, that we would uh, be expecting to to uh, to make a real difference on the park. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I I won't go into too deep too much details to. Um you know, name individuals, but the little little things that that are always pleasing to see. I mean, you you just mentioned Aaron Moore. You know, last year we had our captain Neil Yedinak play in the final uh, with Crystal Palace against Man United of the FA Cup, playing at Wembley. You know, now we have Aaron Moy playing for Huddersfield at Wembley. These are mm. big stages. These are big games. That's where we want to see Australian players. You know. Uh, See how football works in in one week. Um, you know, Matthew Lecky's club gets relegated from the Bundesliga, but straight away he gets snapped up by Hertha Berlin. So it goes to show that there's a few um, positives as well from our boys are doing a good job in Europe and they're getting recognised for their for their work. So um, you know, they bring a lot of experience. They've been with us for a while now. Those two particular that I've mentioned, so they know how how we play the game. But um, you know, looking forward definitely to um, Aaron Moy in that playoff game and and uh, the other European boys that have done well for us to get into camp. Just back on the Saudis for a moment, Ante, uh, when they uh, were in Australia last at the Asian Cup, um, they were very poor. They were very, very poor. Mm. But they yeah. have um, you know, all of the, their results through the campaign today really have surprised me anyway. Um, mm. Has their squad changed a lot since then? Do you, do you know um, how they've been uh, able to improve so much? Because at the Asian Cup, I saw three of their matches and all their group games, and they just were really very poor. Yeah, yeah well, you, you must remember that um, they don't travel well. Um, they've had a good home record so far in the qualifying series, but uh, 
you know, they, they still need to play us away from home, UAE away from home, which is a derby, and um, they've also got Japan um, also. So they, they, they've got a tough run at home also, Japan. So they had one away game against Iraq, which was in neutral territory. Yep. So a few little things have gone, gone there. They've gone um, their way, yeah. Yeah, yeah they've, got, they've gone their way. But at home, they, they, do, they do well. But... Um, you know, Van Marwijk's come in there, the Dutch coach, and he's got more of a defensive mindset. So their structure is quite good defensively. They've got a deep um, block in there. Technically, with the ball, they're good. They are missing um, one of their key players, the the number ten Nawaf. He won't be, uh, you know, playing against us due to suspension. So that's, that's um, a loss for them, particularly in the set piece delivery that he has. But you know, that's just a little snapshot of of of, of them. I expect them to come. And we do as a staff um, to come here and defend, like I said, into a into a mid block, you know, a, a four four two or a four four one one, and uh, just soak up the pressure and look to slow the game down. They won't like the conditions here; they're not used to it as well. They don't travel well. Currently, they're in um, Germany on a training camp, so they're they're having an extended, um, you know preparation as well but um, without going into too much about the opposition we, we, we know that if we prepare well which we will we're playing at home we, we're very very hard to, to, to beat at home in, in games with so much at stake and, and, and we'll back our, our squad to do so Good on you mate and we'll be backing you to do so as well mate because we want to watch you in Russia next year and I know Michael particularly wants to watch you in Russia next year so thanks Ante it's been great to have you on the show mate we're all on side and uh, and um, and uh, confident that the boys will get the job done so it's a good luck uh, to, to yourself Ange and the squad Good on you gents and you've got every reason to be, to be confident Beautiful, mate. Awesome. Love, love the no positivity. Worries. After the break, stick around because Simon Hill, he's coming on the show to talk to us about just how the football world has been impacted by the Manchester attack this week. That's all next on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you believe it? The Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. This is Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport. Now, sadly, these days, it's no surprise to hear of another terror attack And they just seem to be getting worse. In Manchester, of course, this week, the most vulnerable of all victims were under attack in a city famous for football. And a man who knows the city as a born and bred bank is Simon Hill. Sad to be talking to you in these uh, devastating circumstances, mate. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a tough week, hasn't it, for uh, for everybody, I think. He he values uh, liberty and freedom and... Uh, you know, our way of life, but obviously as, as a Mancunian myself, you, you feel this one a little bit uh, more strongly. Absolutely, and uh, no doubt you've still got people back uh, at home, mate? Yeah, no, I do. Um, my, my family's all still in Manchester. Fortunately, they're all safe and sound, a little bit too uh, long in the tooth, to be fair, to be going to Ariana Grande concerts. Yeah, um, but, uh, you know, that's, um, that's by the by. It's, it's something that's, you know, struck really to the, to the core of, of most Mancunians. I mean, this you know, this isn't the first uh, terrorist attack that's hit the city. You know, the IRA bombed Manchester many years ago. Um, so they'll deal with it in, in their own way. You know, we have a very um, strong culture, community culture in Manchester. And, uh, you know, the, it, uh, from a football point of view, which is obviously the job I do, it's, yes. it was good to see the two major football clubs, City and United, coming together and, uh, putting out that uh, that message that Manchester is a city united to uh, 
you know, encapsulate the, the names of the two clubs, and I think that pretty much sums it up. Yeah, exactly right. That's um, that's obviously the question we were going to ask in terms of uh, the unity of the city. It was beautiful to see both clubs, uh, you know, bitter enemies on the park, and um, you know, and certainly plenty of harsh words said to each other off it over the years. But uh, mm. when it comes to uh, real life and in situations like this, uh, that the solidarity of of the people is um, is unquestioned. Mm, of course, and. You know, particularly when you have an atrocity such as this that claims the lives of uh, not just kids, because adults died as well in this, but, you know, particularly children, I think people with with families, you know, it, it strikes a nerve or strikes a chord, I should say, uh, into everybody's personal existence. And you, you do feel, you know, as though you're, you're that little bit more vulnerable in the places that you go to. And obviously the sports and events... Um, that are pretty big at this time of the year in England. I know the Cup final is coming up on on the weekend. You know that that's going to be a, a nightmare in terms of security now, which of course is what these people want. They want to disrupt our everyday lives, yep. and what you can't do is allow them to do that. Uh, you know, I, I lived in London for many years, and that, that was the target of, of many terrorist attacks. In fact, I was. 200 metres away from one in uh, in 1996 when oh, Edward right. O'Brien, the, the, the bus bomber, blew himself up on the top of a double-decker bus on the outside of, uh, of the Strand. And, you know, Londoners, the same as Mancunians will, will be doing today, you get on with it. That's what you do. You live your life and you protect our way of life. Uh, and these people cannot be allowed to win, and they won't. Well, there's a lot of similarities between uh, Manchester and uh, Australian cities, in particular Melbourne. Manchester's a big event city. It's got two big stadiums very close to the heart of the town. So uh, their way of life is so similar to ours, and we uh, we hear every word you say, and we hope that uh, uh, the authorities and the people making, uh, the leaders in uh, Manchester can see their way through this as best they can in times that uh, are going to be a bit gloomy. But let's talk about... um, uh, the other part of Manchester, which did very, very well, um, uh, Europa Cup champions, now direct entry into the uh, Champions League for next season. Um, mm. Do you think Do you think Manchester United gets a big tick for their season now, having achieved that, or have they <laughs> underachieved in the league? How do, you, how do you assess their performance? Yeah, it's an interesting one. It's an interesting one. I think had they lost last night, the season would probably have gone down as a failure. Uh, as it is, it probably goes down as a success. I mean... You know, you can't argue with the fact that Jose Mourinho has won two trophies, even though by Manchester United standards, and they're pretty lofty standards, the League Cup and the Europa League are not really the trophies that they were aiming for at the start of the season. But, you know, silverware is silverware, and he's made a decent start. He's got them into the Champions League, and to be fair, he gambled on winning the Europa League. I mean, a few weeks ago, he basically gave up on the Premier League and said, stop that, we'll we'll earn our place through the Europa League. Now, that, that is a a risk that could have gone horribly wrong. Um, but it didn't. So you've got to take it, your hat off to him. Uh, he got it right. Uh, they were deserving winners over Ajax, even though it wasn't the best game of football, to be fair. And, you know, they're back in the, in the top competition next year, which will help them, of course, attract those players, perhaps some of whom they might have missed out on because of the lack of Champions League football. So he's a smart cookie, is Mourinho. I don't know what it's like the, the footballers' teams play, but... Uh, 
you know, he gets results. There's no doubt about that. This is Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport. We're talking to Fox Sports' Simon Hill. We've had a look at uh, the Manchester situation off the park um, in terms of the uh, the disaster, the uh, the terrorist attack, and now we're taking a bit of a look at the uh, Europa Cup. And as you say, the, um, the the question mark, the balancing act, is almost like turning up at the roulette table and, and putting it all on red or black, isn't it? You know, and just... just tossing the coin he, he he did well and and i mean by my lights it, it's a successful season because uh, yeah. you know they they do get to play and as you say that champions league football uh, means that they're in the market with all the biggest clubs around the world for the best players so they've already got paul pogba um as latan hopefully will will come back uh, better than um or as good as he, as he was from that knee Monty injury field, yeah. yeah yeah and uh, uh, and you know the next thing is can they, uh, you know, achieve some of those big transfer targets? There's already talk of Antoine Griezmann. It would be mm. a real statement signing mm. uh, for Manchester United. And Rodriguez, Hamas Rodriguez from Real Madrid. Mm. Um, there's one or two others that they might go after as well. And that, that extra lure of Champions League football. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it, all the top players in the world want to play in the top competition in the world. And that's the Champions League. So... Now that they've got that carrot to offer them, then it makes it that much more attractive. And you know, we all know the size of the club of Manchester United. That's that's never been in doubt. But what's been missing over the last couple of years is that, uh, you know, underscoring the fact that they are so big by playing in that most important competition. So we'll see what he does. He's got an important off-season ahead. They've still got a bit of work to do to... You know, catch up to the top teams in the Premier League. They drew far too many matches this year. There's no yeah, doubt about 15, that, particularly at home. So if they can, you know, sort that out next season, then uh, yeah, it could be, uh, you know, a return to the days when they were regularly at the top. Although as a City fan, obviously, I hope. Not. <laughs> I was going to say you. <laughs> um, Simon, we can't uh, let you be on our show without uh, asking you about the place of friendlies, club friendlies mm. in uh, the football landscape that mm. we currently exist. Um, I have yeah. a very um, a very well thought through personal opinion that I think they are a complete waste of time and actually don't do much for the promotion of the game. They're pretty much just a, uh, a, a slam and cash raid by the big brands from overseas. Um, yeah. And obviously, I'm not. I, I, you, you probably don't want to comment on the, the, the coverage uh, due to your professional no. uh, capacity, but uh, we've given that a bit of a slamming off the top of the show as you probably, um, like most other people over the last couple of days, have had a look at the the coverage on, on social media. Um, but what's your view of these types of friendlies and whether they've got a long-term place here in Australia? Well, look, I think there's... I'm sort of a half-and-half half merchant on this without wishing to sit on the fence too much. On the one hand, I think, you know, friendlies are good because we are at the end of our domestic season and it's nice for people who have a European team, be it Liverpool, Man United, Barcelona, whoever it is, Real Madrid we had here a couple of years ago. I think it's great for people to be able to go out and, you know, watch their European team in the flesh and see some of the big stars. The issue I had with last night's game in particular was the fact that it was controlled exclusively by Liverpool. Now, that's the way it was ordained because Liverpool booked the stadium. They organised the friendly. The only role, really, that football in Australia had in that was A, provide the opposition, and B, sign off on the sanction, which is what the FFA did. Now, Sydney FC got, as I understand it, uh, a small amount of money, um, probably not small by your standards or my standards, but, uh, you know, a, a, a bit of cash for playing in a game. So that was a lure for them, obviously, and it's nice for their players to play against Premier League opposition. But I think what concerned me last night is that, you know, we, we saw that Liverpool were listed as the home team. Well, that can't be right That's against bizarre. 
when you're playing against the Australian champions in their own city, there's got to be a little bit of respect given to the home team. And I don't think there was a... I'm not talking about the players here. I think the players were perfectly respectful, and Jurgen Klopp as well. But I think it was, as you say, I think it was a, it was a dash for cash. Um, and basically, football in Australia was just sort of plain... We were the Washington there. Generals. Yeah. Uh, exactly. Uh, and, and, you know, the presence of Sydney FC, who after all have just won a championship in front of 40-odd thousand yeah. people, was, was almost negligible in, mm. in its presence, yeah. certainly in terms of the promotion, the advertising. And, you know, and then we wonder why 60,000 people turn up and 99% of them are wearing red and white. Exactly. Well, yeah. that's not the future for football in Australia. Yeah. I, we all have Premier League teams. I'm a Man City fan. I love the Premier League. But in, in its right place, our future is the game of football in Australia. And we have to protect that a little bit better, I think, than we did last night. It was all about Liverpool. I understand why. But it was a branding exercise. And I think our game suffered because of it last night. Yeah, and I, well, I don't like that. No, no. Well said, mate. And, um, and I'm English. Uh, yeah. Right? No, no, fair, fair call. I love it's, the Premier League. Yeah, no, no, you're uh, you're far from a Euro snob, mate. You lo- you love the Premier League, but you love the domestic game as well, and I do. Uh, that's yeah. what we need. Um, and I'm to... very passionate about the domestic league, and mm. you know things when they happen like that last night. Unfortunately, that they take mm. us a step back, and they almost mm. underline. Why yeah. a lot of people here, even if they like football, go, oh, well, I'm not going to watch the alley because it's rubbish. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's not true. Yeah. And we have to sell that message a bit better. Yeah, no, good point. Hey, Simon, thank you for coming on the show, mate. We could talk all night, and we're really grateful for your strong and well-formed uh, opinions, mate. Um, all the very best to the family and uh, and everyone else back in, in Manchester. Our hearts are with them. Thank you. Um, and, um, yeah, mate, so hopefully, um, yeah, as you say, we, we go on and we live our lives and uh, and uh, stick the proverbial back up to the uh, individuals Absolutely. involved in this. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. Have yeah. a good week. No worries, mate. Next up, stick around. Dino, he's back to continue our review of the A-League season and have a look at the FFA Cup next on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you believe it? The Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. Yes, this is Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport now. Our former Notts County man, 250-game veteran of the Victorian Premier League, and he's been promoted the Hume City Technical Director, <laughs> Dean Hennessy. Dino. Promoted. Not yeah. quite promoted, just uh, reinstated on a more full-time basis. Uh, Congratulations, uh, mate. Yeah, so three years in the job, but um, yeah, it's, uh, uh, we'll give you a little bit more detail on uh, what's happened at the club, but it's all like everything in football in Australia. It, uh, it's always subject to change, but you know, TD is the role I had and I've had it for three years and the junior program is going really well. Well, so you I'm really stepped in as uh, head coach of Hume City for a while there, that didn't was, you? And... Yeah, that was obviously when Louis left and I came in and jumped yeah. in and then... And then it was, that we, was going to be short term and then it was sort of extended a bit well, longer, wasn't it? Yeah, and we rebuilt the whole team um, and I, still, I think they're doing quite well, you know, they're just on the edge of the six, they're into the semi-finals of the Doherty Cup, they're into the last 32 of the FA Cup, and I think they've done a reasonably good Rob, start. Rob, Dino's in a, in a, a no-lose no position, because if they do well, it's all because of his work, <laughs> and if they go cactus from here on in, which they might, he can say it's up to the new coach. Yeah, well, there you go. Yeah, there you and go. I'm not supposed to be on this egg, but my boys knocked your boys off last they week. They did, yes. Dino? I mean, if it had been a fight, it would have been stopped. Penny Suri. It would have been stopped, to be honest, the chances we had to put oh, you away. Unbelievable. Come on, mate. 
Anyway, did you expect anything less from him, mate? No, not really. No, no, no. Tawdry person. No, Dino, we love you, mate. Even if you're not the good guy, I love you, Dino. Good luck to Eckers as well. We love you, Dino. I'm done. Now, obviously, we've been discussing the preview of three clubs last week, which was. Adelaide and Central Coast and Brisbane Raw. So I thought I'd just give you a quick, quick snapshot of updates that wasn't clear this time last week. Sergio Sirio, um, John Hall and Jesse Macarunas obviously have all left. And obviously, even though we touched on Gear Moore was going, it's officially now gone. Um, that's from an Adelaide perspective. Uh, Brisbane Raw, um, no more ins, but uh, there's a few more out. Uh, Manuel Arana. Uh, Joey Capian uh, of uh, ex Melbourne Victory, uh, Nathan uh, Constantelou and um, Cameron Christine. They've all been released. And then finally, and last but not least, um, I think. From, no, I think that's it. From Central Coast have made a sign in. Mm, a big uh, one. Yeah, big one, actually. Uh, Tom. Uh, I'm not quite sure how, and I think it could be one of for Mark Van Aken to. Haraj will do. Haraj will do, do you reckon? Yeah, the Dutchman. I'm out, mate. <laughs> <laughs> For a bloke who's out, you sound in. He's out. Yeah, yeah. I'll yeah, give you that. Okay. So he's come oh, in, yeah. uh, 28-year-old, uh, played in the River Dersey with uh, FC Kronigen. Uh, Eredivisie. Eredivisie. And he's uh, he's obviously come with a lot of experience. So this is the first of hopefully many. Cause That's I think... right. Do you know what I noticed about him uh, was his comments that he th- saw pictures of the stadium and it looked fantastic. Well, it is one of the most seen the, picturesque uh, ones. He must have seen the palm trees, trees yeah. and the sauce bottles. <laughs> I was going to say, the big master foods, <laughs> tomato sauce bottles. The barbecue sauce <laughs> bottle. The mustard. And uh, and basically, other than that, really, the only other people... I like a hot dog in Holland. They've obviously lost three more players in uh, Jacques Fatty, uh, Scott Galloway and... Uh, Mikhail Tavares, so um, well done, they're gone. So despite, that's the update. Despite Mark, you know, having a crack at you. Well, that's all right. I mean, he's Dutch, so <laughs> he's allowed to. Um, so now we most probably preview the two of the, obviously, Melbourne-based clubs. We've got Melbourne Victory. I guess most probably I'll throw to you, Edge. What's your thoughts on uh, what's been happening at Melbourne Victory? Well, it's going to be interesting, isn't it, in terms of uh, what happens with the players that they'll bring into the club. I mean, that's uh, obviously the, the one. And I understand there's a coaching change there as well. They've made an announcement there, haven't they? They have. I mean... The, the, well, the hang end... on. Victory's made a coaching change. No, well, no. In the, into the setup. They've, they've brought a new yeah, coach. The way you led it into it is... Uh... No, no, still Musk is well in charge. Oh, yeah. But Reese Williams has uh, signed and uh, Thomas Deng has come back from PSV on loan. Okay. So that's, you know, most probably an interesting back in there. So two central defenders with obviously two defenders... In Barrow and uh, but have they have they made the up for the, been released? Yeah, but have they made up for the players that have gone out the door? Well, it's quite a big list. If, if we have it's a quick, a big list, well, Daniel George has gone to the Jets. Rashid Mahaz is retired based on personal grounds. Uh, and good luck to him as well yeah, because it seems absolutely. like there's some family issues. Yeah, going absolutely, on and he's a good lad. Is Rash um, Fahid Ben Kalfala, uh, unknown but are rumoured to maybe going to the Jets. Nick Ansell obviously gone with Alan Barrow, which is obviously then given the opportunity for Reese Williams. Thomas Deng to come in. Alistair Bray, really unfortunate story about Alistair. His shoulders, I think it's about the third time it's had to be reconstructed, so that's really tough for him. And also a goalkeeper, Lucas Benella, with also young Georgie Howard being released. So, Absolutely, Dino. Now, a couple, could of week, be the champions. couple of weeks ago, you raised some, uh, some, there was a little bit of uh, street talk that uh, Bessa Barisha 
might have had an offer from overseas. And you actually raised that uh, there was no guarantee that he might uh, still be at the club next year. But can you add... Uh, I've not heard anything official. It was just something that was out there. It was in, you know... Rumortown. Rumor Rumortown. And mm. uh, it was like he was playing his last game. But, you know, obviously from a Melbourne victory point of view, they, I'd hope that that's not the case because he's been prolific. But if it is, you know, the word on the street was there was maybe an offer from Japan. Mm, that's right. That is the word from the street, but right. uh, who knows whether it's actually true or not. Interestingly enough, uh, the people who listen to our program uh, in social media picked that up, and Dean got a bit of love on oh, Twitter. Okay. In fact, there was a few pointed questions. Okay, City. Now, Melbourne City. Um, well, what's going to go on here? Coaching. Well, again, you've got you've got the outs of Corey Gramero uh, being released. Uh, uh, Steve uh, Kuzmanowski, uh, Josh Rose has been released, Nicholas Colazzo and uh, Thomas Sorensen, uh, unknown of where he'll go, but mm. there is talk he will get a maybe a coaching gig or some form of gig within the Melbourne City group. Well, they need to really step up next season. Um, we, we need something around City because, uh, you know, Tim Cale, who was the big signing in the off-season, uh, the crowds didn't turn up, they underperformed. They did win the FFA hey, what Cup. Been a coach? Yeah, so well, a coach is obviously one thing that uh, that, that will, on I don't think Michael will keep the job. Mm. And also there's obviously a few players like Christian Cavallo, Brian Crowley, Luke Bratton and Anthony Carreras um, still okay. out of contract. Well, so. They need to improve. Dino, stick around in the next hour. And you, good listener, stick around too, because after the break, our great mate Jackson Irvine, he's going to come back on the program. We're going to talk about Burton Albion, but we're also going to talk Socceroos with Jackson. He's back in Melbourne. Good to be talking to him again. And, of course, Dino's going to return with everything in the international game, and we'll wrap it up with stoppage time. That's all after the break on Box to Box. Now, this is Box to Box with Rob Gilbert and Michael Edgley. Oh, what a goal! For Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. Absolutely fantastic! Welcome back to Box to Box, second edition news shortly. Then we'll chat to our mate Jackson Irvine back in Australia for the World Cup qualifiers and the friendly against Brazil. And of course, Dino is going to return with everything else going on in the international game. We will wrap it up with stoppage time and a few special guests joining us. Marco. What else is there in the news? Well, of course, my boys, Liverpool, have returned to the Champions League by beating relegated Middlesbrough on Sunday, way back on Sunday. Although they will have to play in a qualifying round after finishing fourth in the Premier League, two points behind Man City. Is of that course, fair? we spoke to Simon Hill earlier in the first hour. That United go straight through and Liverpool no, have to qualify. But I'm a Liverpool fan. So. Exactly. Um, thoughts on... I know we touched on it with Simon, but United season, Michael? Uh, I think it's successful on the basis that... Considering uh, yeah. they thought they were just going to whip through the Premier League this no. year. No. I didn't hear anyone say Is that. Zlatan. Yes. No, I don't think uh, anyone could have reasonably expected with the performances under David Moyes and Louis van Gaal that they would have bounced back Plus immediately. Jose, Jose, Jose. Um, yeah. and, uh, and I think they they've improved the a lot. As big success. Yeah, I think so. Hey, how about this? And I know he's not on right now, but uh, of course, Crystal Palace's former... England manager Sam Allardyce has quit the club after five months in the job uh, on Wednesday. And he's 62. He's kept the, the London side uh, in the top flight after replacing sacked Alan Pardew back in December. The he just doesn't want to go through a pre-season. I mean, he'll, he'll just uh, he'll say, I'm retired. And he'll, uh, Can do I put a, you on, Dino? Can I? Do a bit of media. You gonna... And you know what will happen? Some team will be down the bottom and he'll get relegated. And... Uh, They'll get Big Sam, and he'll pick up. So dead set right. And he'll pick up all the money. He'll come in and do five or six, seven, eight games at the end of the season. It is. Do you know he's leaving one and a half years of a contract? So does he not have to? 
have that as a consideration? Well, he'll, he'll have spoken to Steve Parrish, and, mm. and obviously he's agreed to it. And you know, if you listen to him, whether it's right or wrong, he wants to spend time with the family while he's young enough, as he puts it, to to actually go and travel the world, do the things that he's never really been able to do because he's been involved in football as a player and as a manager for a long, long time. His family would have took the brunt of that, you know, and his kids. They would have been embarrassed with that whole incident with the... Uh, that's uh, not helped. Him. But, I mean, I think, look, he's he's come back from that. I mean, that's been and gone. He's mm. he's just gone and proven that he can keep teams in, that, you know, he got off to an awful start at Palace, but What's you know, that? stuck with Hashtag his convictions. Sam for Melbourne yeah, City. Man, that's where Sam's really <laughs> good. So, look... If it's if it's genuine, I mean, like, I used to watch him, so he was he was great to watch. He was hard as nails. Do you know what I loved about him was the fact that he used to, or he quite regularly, sits up in the grandstand for the first half, and uh, he'd, he'd have the mobile phone earpiece in, and he'd be talking to the guys on the bench, and then he swan he swan down at half time. Look, you know what? I've I've spent doing that. I've done that for quite a time in the time I've been in my job recently, and. There's, there's a lot to it. You see a lot more because you you're not emotionally more. tied yeah. to the game. Yeah. It's a good point. It yeah. is. You, you, you just well, see things. That's why the AFL coaches sit up on the grand Yeah, stands, I, 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 I think there's some, definitely some credence there. Well, you know, serious question. That, that's a massive point because in the AFL, in the NRL increasingly, the yeah. guys sit up in the stands. And we still see to this day NPL, which is the second division of Australian football where you've been coaching yep. until this week. I mean, sitting on the bench and... The, the, We've seen the flip side too. A lot of AFL coaches have, in recent years, gone from the the box down to the pitch. down to the like. Surely you do not get a proper view of all that's happening. I think there's two things. The thing when I, you're on the, the, you're on the I, pitch. The thing I learned from changing position was that I'm not emotionally charged. I'm in the dressing room before the game, yeah, okay. talking yeah. to the players, like with the coach there as well. You know, and making sure we g them up, we do all the things, all the tactical, the set pieces, it's all done. But then when you go upstairs and you're sitting there, whether it's with just myself or we might have someone like doing all the data next to me, and we're talking about things we need to make sure we cover in at half time. I've got a clear mind. I, I, you know, I'm seeing things and I can relay messages. We're getting hurt on this side. Can we swap the wide men to come and defend better? Because a particular wine men so it's I think there's a lot of advantage to it and I think when you're on the bench you do get caught up with, we, get, we get caught up with the fourth official with their bench as well especially if you were playing certain teams but Dino and, uh, big, it's normally lively you know Big Sam would sit in the crowd he would just sit in the crowd well, that's not right anyway I'll, I'll, I'll make an executive call there, Dana. If you're sitting in the crowd, you're talking about sitting in a box with people with data. No, I was in the crowd, but not talking to anybody. I wasn't like socialising. I'm just focused. No, on but the I'm, sa- yeah, not I'm like saying the, you uh, are in there with people the pie with data. Goalkeeper. I love a pie. Anyway, <laughs> moving on, boys. Uh, I won't read this word for word, but Harry Kuehl has linked with Crawley Town. It's his first job. What league are they in, for starters? Second. League two. League two. Good move for Harry. Yeah, I'm very glad good. we got you now. Very, then, very good actually. move. You it's know the what? Dino show. It, it's eat, like he's done the Watford thing, and irrespective of what happened at Watford, that's where you cut your teeth. And there's so many managers that go straight into the top job and not equipped for it. You need an apprenticeship. Like even when I started, I went to the second division, and and I learnt my trade and got promoted till when I got to the Premier League and then understood it a bit better. Can I ask a question, Dino? And this is for Michael as well. With all due respect, and I know England is far more advanced as a football nation than Australia, yeah. but Man- Melbourne City has a has a vacancy. There's a number of jobs in Australia up for yep. jobs. Is this better than going to a Melbourne City to go to a League Two to a Crawley Town, who again, who are a story club, but really 
I just, in my uh, opinion, for Harry, yeah, well, it's your opinion. Most That's definitely, it's the best decision he could make if he got the opportunity to to do that. You go to the City Group, Michael Valkanis. That was really his first gig as well, in a lot of ways, because he's been mm. the assistant. It's hard, and the expectation at the City Group is, you know, that if you look at all the managers that they've got all around the world, they're all managers. They've been there, done it. Maybe Patrick Vieira is one that didn't mm, quite fit not, the mould. Yeah. But again a big background in football at a high, high level. But I think for Harry, being a really good player, most probably one of Australia's better players that we've produced, he needs to get it from the ground down. There's no better way in the second division where it's rough. And, and, and his family are from the UK as and, well. Yeah, so they are. And they're going to have to look like his missus. That's where he met, you know, from Emmerdale Farm. Mm-hmm. She was an actress. And I think it's a really good apprenticeship for him for bigger and better things. I've been surprised. Australian football fans can be disappointing sometimes. There's been a lot of people who say, oh, Harry got a job at Crawford Town. We'll never make it. We'll never be a good coach. You know, it's interesting to note that some people say that. But I'd say, well played, Harry Kuehl. I hope he's a roaring success mm. and he's coaching in the big league. That's the big it. We've got sometime. a lot to be thankful to Harry for. He, he gave us a lot of fun watching uh, watching him play for Leeds and uh, not as much playing for Liverpool. But, uh, you know, he, he was fantastic. Um, you know, that night against Uruguay, um, he was uh, a star he's in Germany player. as well. No, Harry well, even in the, a, What about in Tehran? Well, I said Tehran, he is scored, pound, scored the, the away goal. ever play we've had. Yeah, Yeah. let's let's have it right. He was unbelievable. Craig Johnson never played for Australia. Mm. Yes, Dukes Dukes had his own, mate. But sorry, and and with all due respect to Timmy, mate, Timmy could not hold a candle to Harry as a footballer. No, am I wrong? No, not on technical ability. No, no. no. I I suppose most Timmy's his attitude and and his approach and his approach. Timmy is a very good guy at scoring goals. Timmy's been great. Hey, I'm not going right. out with Timmy. Timmy scored a lot of goals, but Timmy does not have an ounce of what Harry has in terms of technical ability with the football. True, but again, you go back to Timmy. Where did he start? Millwall. He went over there, did it in the lower leagues, yeah. then earned the rights. He played at Old Trafford in a, in a semi-final, I think it was, in the FA Cup. Silas Ferguson going, who's this? Yeah. Even though he didn't go, they went to Everton and then... No, I think he's like the fourth top goal scorer. We all love Timmy Time. Timmy Timmy Time was uh, Timmy, Harry, Dukes have all been good for Australian football. We all do all know it's an ABC. And Dukes is right up there. Absolutely. But 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 he'd always step up when we needed him to. That's the thing. But Harry, he's the man. Anyway, as I try and get my (laughs) computer. Now, boys, a 20-month jail term has been handed down, of course, last year to Barcelona and Argentina footballer Lionel Messi. It's been confirmed by Spain's Supreme Court, but he is unlikely, you'd be shocked to hear, to go to prison. Um, Messi and his father, Jorge, uh, who manages his finances, were both convicted in 2016 of defrauding Spain of 4.1 million... Million. Million. Million euros. Boys, any chance he gets to jail at all? His dad might, but I don't know if... Well, uh, he you know, he'll just do it. Lionel. Famous. If I was Lionel, I'd just buy the jail and renovate it. If I was it, Lionel, I'd get the hell out of Spain. That's what I'd do. You know, you know over there, um, if it's under, if your sentence is under two years, you're not likely to go to jail. That's right. They do deals and uh, a whole range of different things. He's not going to jail, brother. You sound familiar with his head. <laughs> well, isn't it oh, I've got a story there, but I, I can't say it. Is it the Lord of the Catalan? Is that what it is? The Lord of the Catalan as it well? Is, yeah. Yeah. It's is it, a bit different over no, it is. I'm being serious. Yeah, no, he's right. I'm, no, I'm I've talking read the Catalan. Yeah, well, because I'm a big, I'm a Barca guy. Yeah, well, apparently there, there is a jurisdiction in there that there the is. law is d- different. There is. Having said that, it's different language. Having said that, Spanish law. Uh, Lionel's not going to not going to jail. Well, he no, he's not going to the Huscao, the big house. Lionel Messi. He's not, doing he's not going anywhere. 
All right, give us one more, mate. Oh, boys. Now, Guillermo Verrella has been suspended Who? by his loan club, Who? Eintracht Frankfurt. Guillermo. And told... Guillermo? That's probably Guillermo, yes. Yeah. And told William to go team. back to Manchester United after getting a tattoo against orders. I'm sure you have this problem all the time, Dino. Uh, Varela, 24, <laughs> got the artwork on Monday before Saturday's, of course, German Cup final. And his arm suffered an inflammation. The club cannot tolerate a player that would defy instructions, said Sporting Director Freddy Bobic. Uh, where, uh, we, we've, <laughs> this is laughable. So the point is, this flag is playing for the biggest club technically in the world, and he's getting tattoos against orders. Dino, if I get a tattoo and I'm playing for your mob on the weekend, do I have to... As long as you don't turn up with glad wrap around your arm, because that's what they do, you know, when you see them walk around that... <laughs> Mate, it's, in, it's inflamed. Yeah. He's in Uruguayan. What, can, do you just, what do you expect? Can I just right. throw, throw a real quick one in? Just a similar story to like, the power of the, the manager. There was a story, Teddy Sheringham was on a, on a British TV programme just recently and he was talking about when he was signed by Brian Clough and he could hear him walking up the corridor. And it's obviously his real name's Edward. So he goes, um, oh, hello, Edward. He goes, oh, hello, Mr. Clough. He goes, do you mind if you don't call me Edward? Just call me Teddy. He says, no, welcome aboard, Edward. <laughs> that reminds me of Stripes. Remember that, remember that scene? Don't. You call me psycho, I'll kill you. Can I, also, I know we're out of time. Up, Can I tell a story? Yeah, we are out of time. But um, Marcus Sturgeopoulos, who Sturge. played uh, under, maybe under you at some point, but he was at, uh, where was he? Bradford in, yep. in the reserves. Yep. And this was back when the reserves used to play at the same grounds as the EPL teams. Yep. And he, Mr. Clough, <laughs> and Clough. he walked up to me and goes, G'day, Brian. G'day. G'day. I'm Marcus from Australia. He goes, oh, you're from Australia, son. Well, it's Brian. And by the way, bugger off. <laughs> he, just, he just said, mate, get out of my face. Yeah, he, he sort of sounds to- like... He, um, also, he did not tolerate... I'm anything. not sure that like, what the accent was, hmm. but also at Liverpool, despite being an Evertonian, he walked out, still touched the uh, This Is Anfield sign, and his reserves captain, who was probably some 37-year-old hard nut, he said, mate, if you ever touch that... Thing again, mate. <laughs> kill you. He was uh, he was a tough, tough man. Okay, boys. All right. That was the loosest Sorry, Rob. of loose segments we've ever done, but it was funny. <laughs> Hopefully you enjoyed it if you're listening. Marco, well done. Stick around because a good s- little chat's coming up after the break. Jackson Irvine, our man, he's crossed uh, from the other side of the world. He's in uh, suburban Melbourne, staying with mum and dad as he preps for the World Cup qualifier in the big game against Brazil. So tune in for that one after the break. That's coming up next on Box to Box. Box to box. Can you believe it? For Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. This is Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport. When he talked to this man many times... Uh, from the other side of the world, we've talked to him in Ross County. We've talked to him as he starred for Burton Albion during the uh, the championship season this year. But he's back at home in Melbourne, staying at home in the comfort of mum and dad's house. And it's a, it's just great to have Jackson Irvine back on the show. Thank you so much for uh, joining us on the show, mate. No problem, guys. No worries at all. And uh, two weeks away, we talked to Ante Milicic in the opening hour and uh, he gave us a, an insight. But uh, but you really must be getting excited about playing that, uh, that Saudi Arabian qualifier. Yeah, I think everyone understands... You know the importance of the game. Uh, you know, I, I think you know we had a similar conversation leading into the Iraq and UAE games. But uh, you know, each game grows grows with importance as, as the group progresses. And you know, now when you when you look at the standings going into this game and, and the month ahead afterwards, it shows. Uh, you know, it could it could mean a, 
be so vital, you know, in, in positive or negative way. So, you know, it's really important that we prepare properly and it's going to be hugely important and hopefully very exciting. And again, hopefully it leads to a, to a good month ahead for us as well. Social media watchers would have noted that you just cleaned up at the uh, Burton Albion Awards night. You, I think you took every award home, didn't you, Jackson? You won the chook raffle as well. Um, yeah, yeah, I think. Did you leave anything? Did you leave anything behind? The meat tray. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't win gold the season, so um, no. But I was very, very fortunate. I, I was, you know, to win top goal scorer and to be voted as the fans' player of the year and the players' player of the year. It was, yeah, it was a quite an emotionally charged evening. You know, it was just after we'd achieved the survival and. Um, you know, for everyone involved at the club, it was it was uh, it was probably not until that night where we realised how much it meant to the community and mm. all the people that have been with Burton since the very beginning, and you know, back to back promotions, and you know, to be the absolute odds-on favourites for relegation, and to come out against the odds, and in the manner in which we did it, uh, you know, uh, going getting the points, particularly the Leeds game where we beat Leeds at home, uh, which basically. Uh, you know, sealed survival, and yeah, it was just, it was a very emotional evening, and yeah, everyone, everyone really enjoyed it, and again, I was very fortunate to, to pick up a, pick up the three awards as well. It must have been some celebration, just just for all the listeners around uh, Australia who um, don't live in England and don't realise the significance of what Burton's been able to do, um, it, did, did you have an opportunity to really spend um, a little bit of time with your teammates um, and celebrate the fact that did what you what you did achieve was really significant. Yeah, it was um, it was very strange. Um, you know, we were aware of you know the odds being against us from the be- very beginning. You know, smallest club in the league, lowest budget in the league, smallest squad in the league, and you know, f- yeah, all those things. You know, continually being reminded of them, and you know, in the media and, and from everyone else. But uh, it was it was more a sense of relief than anything when when we. Uh, you know, sealed the survival because we actually only spent uh, one weekend in the whole season in the bottom three. And um, although, you know, we spent a lot of time lingering above it, but we only actually spent one weekend and it was only on goal difference. And, you know, I think that whole time we never really believed that, you know, oh, we just kept sure, thinking, surely, you know, <laughs> it can't happen. We keep picking up these great results and, you know, then the teams below you keep winning. And but I think when it, when it finally happened, it was just like a a weight had been lifted off everyone's shoulders and just like, all right, it's, you know, it's sort of official now that, you know, for everyone else it was wild celebrations, but for the players it was quite, it was a lot calmer than expected. I think a lot of us were just um, so relieved that we sort of finally could get done what we'd set out to do from the beginning. Jackson, it's uh, Dean here. I'm, I'm interested in, obviously, knowing Nigel and also Andy. What was their reaction to, obviously, the survival and, and the plans moving forward? I think they probably celebrated more than anyone else. Um, you know, the uh, you know the, the manager and, and and Andy Garner's assistant, especially. You know, they they were involved with Burton in Conference North. You know, however long ago they was, certainly 10, were, yeah, years ago. And you know, and um, you know, then they they had their time away at Derby and Sheffield United, and you know, they've come back to Burton and you know came back in last season and got them saw, saw the job through that Hustle Bank had started and got them into the championship and again they 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 were aware of the the job they had in their hands but the one thing that they did do in particular in january was recruit incredibly well and um three or four of our loan signings in january um you know could have could have made a difference between us staying up and going down i brought in some some real quality and yeah again they've been 
part of Burton for for longer than most, and uh, they, yeah, they particularly enjoyed it. And, but you know, everyone's aware that it will be just as, if not more, difficult next season. I think we've caught a lot of teams off guard this year. I think they were, you know, coming to our stadium, sort of, oh, you know, away at Burton. You know, it's you know, it's going to be a walk in the park. And I think that, particularly in the first half of the season, we caught a lot of teams off guard. And you know, the next season it will be a totally different story. They're all aware of, of you know how difficult we can make it and. Um, I think that's that's why it will be even more difficult next season. Look, you took a lot of big scalps during the season, and uh, most weeks, even when you were getting beat, you were competitive, and you know only losing by the odd goal. What's the plans for next season? Mm. Not just for for Burton, you know, with Andy and Nigel, but also for yourself. Yeah, it's just to to try and um, maintain a level of consistency. Um, you know, I've been I've been very fortunate over the last um, four years that. You know, I've, I've been at clubs that have, uh, have continued to progress, and and that's helped my game individually keep moving forward as well. And uh, I think that you know a lot of that will be down to to the players we bring in and the players we manage to hold on to. And um, but for the club and and myself, it's just it's definitely about maintaining a level of consistency. You know, the in this league, uh, a club like Burton, obviously, if we could push higher up the table, um, we would love to be able to do that. But um, you know, with 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 the circumstances of the club and and the way the clubs run, you know, to, to maintain that level and, and stay in the league again, and for myself individually to, main, to maintain that level, try and, you know, maybe not double figures of goals. I don't think I ever expected that, but to, from midfield to hit that sort of six, six to eight goal mark for the season, and, and you know, keep putting in uh, regular performances. That's that's sort of the main target for next season. This is box to box on NTS News Talk Sport. We're talking to soccer star and Burton Albion champion. Jackson Irvine. Uh, Jackson, um, you may not be able to give us much information on this question, but we hear rumours that there are some nibbles from the Premier League. Uh, what can you tell us about that? Um, you know, rumours are rumours. Yeah, social media nowadays has sort of thrown the, the transfer world into, into you know a bit of disarray. That you see, you know, names linked to all sorts of places. But you know, from my personal point of view, I don't get involved in any any sort of transfer speculation until anything becomes realistic you know whereas that's a team you know comes to Burton with with an offer and then they'll come to me and you know until that sort of process starts then for me it's just you know words on a page and uh you know I've got two years left on my my contract at Burton and I'm mm-hmm. fully focused on, on on the job ahead next season and you know obviously we've got a big month ahead hopefully with the Socceroos first but um you know in, until anything becomes tangible or realistic it's sort of background noise to me because you know, you sort of get used to that uh, that you know, sort of uh, social media and world of of names flying off, you know, around screens. But yeah, until it's real, then then yeah, it just stays in the background. Very well answered. Exceptionally well answered, uh, <laughs> uh, Jackson. <laughs> well I've just got a, a question about uh, the Scottish Premier League and the Championship. Um, we know the Championship has a, re- a reputation of being brutal in terms of the amount of games and how how they come in quick succession. Uh, what's your just what's your views of the Scottish Premier League in terms of its standard versus uh, the Championship? Yeah, it's it's definitely similar on a lot of levels. Um, it's uh, it's kind of a complicated question. I see a lot of again a lot of debate surrounding social media about um, you know about Scottish football and and you know in trying to compare teams into certain leagues and you know particularly with Celtic and you know how they survive in the Premier League and you know all these types of situations. But at the end of the day, it's different leagues, different styles, different managers. It's kind of hard to compare on an individual level, but all I, all I can say is that you know there's a number of players in the championship that have, that have come from the SPL and 
you know, I've had successful careers down here and there's, you know, been as many that have done the opposite and, you know, some have struggled and some have struggled, you know, over the border and some have struggled down here. It's all about, for me, you know, I've I've been very fortunate that the clubs I've gone into have, have very, been very much suited to the, my style of play, mm. and uh, you know that's probably why I've I was fortunate enough to have a you know a rather seamless transition into the league. But uh, when it comes in terms of uh, the overall standards, you know, I think it's pretty clear to most teams that Celtic would be a Premier League club by you know by you know quite easily anyone that's sort of watched them on a regular basis and, and, and seen the way they've played this season. And, um, but, you know, I, even last year, playing against teams like Aberdeen and Hearts, and uh, for me, personally, again, you can it's all, um, you know, sort of subjective in the end, but I think both, there's a lot of clubs in Scotland that if they came down here would be capable of competing. And, you know, it's fine margins at, at most levels, particularly, you know, when it comes to individual quality. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a strange one. It's hard to really compare them, but as I said, it's, best answer I can give you is that it's really fine margins between most of the clubs, you know, north of the border and down south. Now, Jackson, the championship put aside now and rested for a little spell. You've got an interesting couple of weeks ahead of you. What's your preparation and the squad's preparation for the game coming up for the Socceroos? Um, you know, as I said, well, the squad hasn't been announced yet. You know, we're sort of still waiting to, to hear the final 23. Obviously, the ones that are in the extended 30. Um, we'll all be doing their own sort of individual preparation, you know, if, if called upon for next week. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll be, everyone, as I said myself, you know, I've you know had a couple of weeks off now, so starting to get back into the rhythm of things this week, going for, you know, doing some running and some gym work and everything like that. But I suppose most players are, you know, got their own individual programs and, and they'll be preparing in their, in their own ways. And uh, once the 23 is confirmed, then, you know, I'm sure everyone will step up to, to to a level to make sure they're ready to kick on going into Adelaide. All right. Well, let's let's assume like you get uh, one in the squad, and then we'll also assume, and with a positive mindset like we do on this show, <laughs> that you're starting. Uh, it's it's a really important game, you know, where there's a lot at stake. Again, how do you obviously mentally prepare for that, and and obviously, and how much effort does uh, Ange maybe just focused on the particular way he wants you to play? Um, the one thing I, I'll say from my time in the Socceroos is that preparation uh, barely ever changes. Whether we're, we were playing England away or whether you're playing, you know, uh, Bangladesh at home, um, we do the same amount of um, opposition work based on, you know, their strengths and weaknesses. But that's all focused around how our shape and our system can, uh, you know, can hurt them and how they can potentially hurt us. You know, we we do we do our same preparation. We focus on on our style of play and obviously you need to be aware of certain individuals and, and you know their styles as well but uh, the preparation will be similar to always and uh, that kind of it gives that really relaxed environment but at the same time you know you can appreciate and understand how important the game is but it doesn't mean that it turns into a you know it doesn't make anyone panic uh, which can happen when it comes to big games you know it, it, you, people get that you know the hype of everything leading up to it and it can sort of overwhelm you but uh, we're fortunate to be in a position where you know that you know that hype comes towards every game we, we approach it all the same way so uh, you know we'll be we'll be relaxed but we'll be we'll be raring to go as always and you know trusting in what we're trying to do and trying to build it that will be enough to get the job done Perfect, mate. We like the sound of that, mate. Um, well, you'll probably have a late night over the weekend watching uh, your mate Aaron Moy um, hopefully step up to the Premier League uh, um, and uh, but make sure you get plenty of sleep after that. 
Yeah, absolutely. I hope hope they do the job. It would be absolutely brilliant to, to see him win at Wembley. Good on you, Jackson. Hey, Jackson, thank you so much, mate. Congratulations from everyone at Box to Box on on your brilliant season. Uh, we've been following every every kick and every minute of of uh, the season, and uh, just so proud of what you've done, and uh, and equally proud of your your great efforts. So uh, really stepping up in that soccer shirt, and uh, hoping that you're uh, in that run on side to to, uh, to make uh, uh, all the difference or part play your part against uh, Saudi Arabia in a couple of weeks' time. No worries. Thanks very much for having me, and I'm sure I'll chat to you all again soon. We will soon. Stick around after the break. Dino is going to be back with all the international news. Box to box. Can you believe it? The Chemist Warehouse, home of real brands and real savings, and Storage King. They're just around the corner. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. Yes, this is box to box. It's Bedlam in here in the studio, and it will be Bedlam if you. Don't get into Chemist Warehouse this winter because there are seven things that some of us may come across when June 1 kicks around. A blocked nose, headache, body aches, sore throat, runny nose, pain and fever. Dino, any of those? Uh, all, all of the above. All of the above standing on the sideline. Fortunately, there is one thing you can do to get that might help fight these symptoms, and that's Vicks Action Cold and Flu. Did you know that over 50% of cold sufferers experience two or more of those symptoms during the first three days of their cold episode? Despite this, some people only end up taking a pain tablet, which provides relief from some of the symptoms, but not all of them. Fight the symptoms of cold and flu with Vicks Action Cold and Flu for just $5.99. How cheap is that? At Chemist Warehouse. Always read the label. Use only as directed. If symptoms persist, consult your doctor. Chemist Warehouse, lowest prices guaranteed. Get in there, Dean. Perfect. Absolutely some. perfect. And uh, there was a certain uh, Jose Mourinho that didn't catch a cold, uh, which was obviously a little bit of a banana skin if they didn't win the Europa Cup. Well, we talked on, to Simon yeah. Hill about that in the first hour, and uh, and you know he he, he get, it's 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 a high stakes gamble, really, isn't it? Because we sit here and watch it on TV and read it and then use it, but uh, but if you, you're him and you say, I'm going to bank the um, the Premier League. I'm, I'm not going to go for top four when they were, you know, well and truly in, there in the running. There and there they were, yeah. Um, and I'm going to, you know, stake it all on, on winning a trophy. It was a, a, a ballsy decision. Well, it was. I mean, they, they ended up on 69 points and Arsenal finished in fifth on 75. So there's, there's two games there. Mm, mm. Now, when the queue was put in the rack for that, it could have been a lot closer. But again... Looking, you know, again with Marco in the studio with us, the Liverpool in fourth have to still go through the qualifiers. Yeah, yeah. It's not a bad bank if you can go and win it. Now, they've obviously gone there and won it. What it also does in all of the championships of any level in British football, they now go to the top of the ladder on 42 trophies. Mm-hmm. Uh, Liverpool, the one they didn't have. Liverpool, 41. Arsenal, 29. Chelsea 22, and there is a fifth club on 20. Can anybody guess it? The fifth club on 20, Nottingham Forest? No. Edge, who would you guess? No idea. Marco? Derby? Aston Villa. No. Aston, Aston Villa. Villa. Aston yeah. Villa, 20 trophies. Mm. So yes, they, again, in the, back in the day, they were good. Hey, Dino, what about Marcus Rashford? He became the youngest Englishman. Uh, I think 19 years and 205 days to start in a major European final since Gary Mills. And Gary Mills... No, Gary Mills very well. Not yeah. in the forest. 1980, yes. not in the forest. And actually, your, trained with Gary dad, Mills when he was at Knotts County when I was Did your dad younger. play with him? No. No, no. no Gary was uh, well, well after my dad. But okay. Gary Mills is a... He's a good lad. He actually coached at Wrexham not long ago. Only the other little, the other little uh, statistic that I think our listeners might be interested in is that Wayne Rooney made his fourth appearance in a major European final for Man mm-hmm. United. Also the 2008, 2009 and 2011 Champions League finals. And he equals a record 
at Manchester United. It's held by who? Ryan Giggs. Ryan Giggs. Okay. Now, what also on the stats? I thought I did a little bit of an exercise. Manchester United have played 64 games this season. And Jose has moaned all the way through those 64 <laughs> about the, the amount of work they've had to do. So they were they started off with the Community Shield. If you remember way back when in August, really? they beat Leicester City 2-1 with Zlatan scoring the winner. And then we take ourselves to February. They win the Football League Cup. Man United again, 3-2 against Southampton with, again, Zlatan getting the winner in the 87th minute. They get to the quarterfinal of the FA Cup to be beat by Chelsea, who are obviously the finals, which we'll preview in the next little bit. But 64 games versus, I've worked out that Chelsea have only played 47. And there is talk that they've played nearly a Premier League season from February to now. Incredible. I mean, it's just yeah. a massive, massive that's why he uh, decided to put he the kids to in do at it. some point. Yeah. And I think it's a real success. So moving on, obviously, it's not got the same, you know, like we've talked about the FA Cup. It's the 136th final. It's, you know, I remember my first one like it was yesterday. But mm. we've got two big teams, Chelsea and Arsenal, you know, Arsene Wenger. Could it's this a shame be... it starts that little bit later these days. Well, it, it does. You could stay up till well, it's good if you live in England. Yeah, it's pretty crappy perfect, to live in Australia. Yeah. Yeah, well, but could it be the swan song for, uh, for Arsene? Is this the last game or no. do we... He's going get, round again. Going round again. He told me. <laughs> he told you. Yeah. Chelsea, yeah. unbelievable season under Conte. Uh, this will be the double. Incredible. I mean, they've done it in style as well, haven't they? He loved getting the uh, the Gatorade poured over his head, <laughs> wearing that Dermot Gildo senior suit. <laughs> I, I think the quality I like of the man as well. When they played their last game against Middlesbrough, mm. uh, they got relegated, and he actually went and celebrated with their play their players mm. and their management, hugged everybody, waved to their fans, and stayed mm. with them like he was part of theirs. And I thought that was Classic. a really really nice touch. Now, just to keep things moving, we we won't talk about the Champions League final next week. We'll preview that big next next week obviously there that's a, a big one with Real Madrid and Juventus we do have the championship with our own Mar- Aaron Moy looking right? forward to this I think if I've got my times right it's 1am on Tuesday it morning is. yeah so <laughs> <Bit> ugly <laughs> so it's Huddersfield versus Reading um so that, that will be a big big game but before that uh at one o'clock on Monday we have Blackpool against Exeter in League Two, and my old mate uh, Gary Bowyer, the manager of Blackpool. So fingers crossed for Gaz, he gets in. Um, obviously, the playoff final last week, Millwall beat Bradford, 87th winner from Steve Morrison. Yeah, so, so poor James, old James, James Meredith. Meredith. Yeah, uh, it was very tight because it looked two years in a row yeah, bundled out by up. Millwall. I want to just touch just before the last. I wonder part how the fans the... Uh, spoke to him. Well, uh, they, well, they did. I was going to say they weren't close enough because I sent him a message, but they actually were that close. They actually got on the pitch. So typical Millwall. Ah, unbelievable. So the other thing I wanted to mention, what we do forget sometimes, is the the fifth division, the national league. And uh, why do we forget the fifth division sometimes? Pretty hard well, not we, to, we isn't we it? Do, but, really? But there's a little bit of a, like a. Forest Green, not Forest Gump, but Forest Green have actually got promoted because they, in front of 18,000, uh, turned over Tranmere Rovers. 3-1. Where, is, where is Forest Green? Well, that's an interesting one. It's in Gloucester. And they're owning it, Del Vince. Um, Dr. Foster's got a, um, um, a medical practice there. <laughs> and Mark Cooper, the manager. First <laughs> time they've ever been in the Football League. So what I'm saying... They got 18,000 people to that game. They did. And the reason yeah. I'm mentioning this, this just talks about what's happening <laughs> right. in Australia when we talk about the A-League and smaller clubs, once upon a time, going right. into bigger That's and better right. things, yeah. as yes. per Burton Albion. Oh, exactly. Yes. Yep. Burton Albion. Now, just quickly to finish, um, I think... I'll tell you what, if uh, Heidelberg was playing in a playoff game to get in the A-League, <laughs> they'd be hanging from the rafters, brother. <laughs> 
And I think, look, that's about a wrap, really, for me. There's yeah, not well, too got, much to cover I mean, yeah, well, there, well, there was a, On that uh, note, it I, put I, me off my, off my yeah, pace but, well, well, the one story that I wanted to get into from uh, the uh, the international caper was uh, Juventus um, beating Crotone on the weekend to, to, win, to win the, the title, the mm. sixth straight Scudetto, and, uh, and uh, there were a few players rested. I noticed that Gigi Buffon wasn't in the side um, prepping for the Champions League, so, um, yeah, it was... Uh, you know, in, done in imperious style against the team that was getting uh, uh, relegated, but uh, but still just a, an incredible performance because they could then do the treble if um, if they knock off um, uh, Real Madrid, Real exactly. And what a game that'll be with uh, the great Zinedine Zidane on the on the on the side. Yeah, hasn't he been uh, awesome? Well, just, been I know. Really, I remember really saying good. early days when he was appointed. Yeah. You guys just poo-pooed oh, him. You said there was no easy, chance of performing. Easy, well. easy, and easy, I right. said, don't worry. I think we might legend. need to go back to the tapes to the, go back to check the video that one. Tape. <laughs> yes, I know. I concede. I, I just threw it up there as a, as a point of conjecture. But he's done very well. There, Super performance. All right. Stick around. Thank you, Dino, because we're going to get into stoppage time. We've got a few visitors that are going to join us uh, because we're going to analyse... CDG um, apparently is in the wings. Yeah, and well, we, what we really want to know is whether the ABC, the national broadcaster, like that they should just take over the full A-League rights. We could sack Fox Sports. Um, in fact, they could take over the AFL and the NRL based on what we saw during the week. We're going to discuss that next on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you believe it? The Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. Box to box on NTS News Talk Sport, and we're going to get in stuck into stockage time. And we've got a stockage time, yeah, even stoppage, stoppage time. time you yeah, well, the reason I was talking stockage time is because I want to send a cheerio out to our mates at Storage King because that they're, they're over at the annual national conference in Auckland, and uh, and our mates is that an international conference? Well, the national conference so is at an international venue, not, but New Zealand is part of uh, yep. of the Great Storage Kingdom. So uh, a it big big a cheerio, too, isn't it? Correct, a big cheerio out to the boys. Now, look, what I wanted to do <laughs> is acknowledge as well something very important. There's a fellow called Cam Calcullen. He has cerebral palsy, and he's oh, okay. the keynote speaker over there, and he's a really inspirational guy uh, from New Zealand, and he has been brought in by the kingdom and we all know how much uh, that is uh, of a personal interest to me with my little boy Alexander yep, suffering course, from the yep. same condition but uh, yeah big uh, big shout out to the guys at Storage King over there in Auckland because uh, if you are needing storage you want to get into Storage King at any time day or night get on the website storageking.com.au or just call 1800 Storage Day that is just around the corner now Mark they are. Um, are they around the corner and point Piper just before before we get the Prime Minister in no. here can we just say a very Michael. big cheerio to all of the people in Brisbane last night mm. who celebrated 20 years since Brisbane Strikers won the NSL yeah. fantastic effort that what a fantastic night that was what a, what a fine and club and can I they say are. it was a moment that really stopped the nation what were you doing Prime Minister when I was I'm not sure what I was doing, Michael. Were you uh, working for Kerry? I probably wasn't watching the NSL. Let me tell you that much. Mm, Sorry. Go on. Well, we thought the ABC2 guys did such a wonderful job. They did a fantastic job. We would invite a few guests to come in and give their opinion of it. So, Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull, welcome. If I could get a word in, Michael, (laughs) can I tell you that I'm very proud of the Australian taxpayers' dollars that went towards that broadcast last night of that fantastic game, of course, between Liverpool United and Sydney 
Sydney United, was it? Who was it last Sydney, night? Yeah. Sydney FC. Sydney FC. Yeah. Anyway, Dino, I know you're there. Did, did, but did you enjoy gonna... the song, uh, uh, You'll Never Walk Alone, Pam? You'll Never Walk By Yourself. Yeah. What a great song that was last night. Like, I, 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 I can hear it in my, <laughs> in my head right now. Anyway, now Michael Lynch is also in the studio. Now, oh, Michael, you wrote an article. This could be and, a train wreck, could yeah, it? I, well, <laughs> it could be because you, you, you wrote quite how this fiasco. Well, I, I, what, what, what I said, Robert, was that these these games are a waste of time. I don't know why I said that like the Prime Minister. Mm. No, these games are a waste of time. Anyway, but going back to it, you like, what a way, I mean, for a North London guy to go and watch Liverpool play Sydney FC, I mean, seriously. Why would I bother? But, but, but your opinion on the ABC's Tina. broadcast, though, did you? Well, the broadcast was absolutely embarrassing. Mm-hmm. It fiasco, was you wrote. Fiasco, fiasco, embarrassing. And you enjoyed particularly that that comedian Aaron Chen at halftime. Um, well, I think we've got it a, Nigel. Nigel, he's still there. We got some audio, have we? Is it still? Is it there? Aaron, are you there? Hello. This is the worst thing I've ever heard. My favourite possession is not having to ever remember the, that footage ever as long as I live. And it's Van Aken's back. That is singly the worst thing. I'm sure he up last night, Michael. Rob, what? I'm not telling you to back off because some of the opinions you've shared um, off air are a Mate, little uh, racy, name? a Aaron, little bit blue. As a pang change, Aaron his name. Chen, this guy's name is. Apparently he's on some other show in there. Like. Oh, they're so obviously cross-pollinating their talent. Can I say something? Jules Schiller, who I feel sorry for, because he was the host of this. I've worked with Jules. I actually have in the past on my little podcast. Jules is a funny man. He's a football man. But as I said last night on Twitter, with, a, with all, all crap aside, whoever produced that should just give it up. There we go. The tra- just you wrote give in it the up. news, the trio mispronounced names. They used a tacky whiteboard with cutouts of players in lieu of formation graphics. Yeah, it was... It, it, Robbie Slater um, was... Yeah, we tried to race today, but no. It was <laughs> To be fair, you've got to give it to Bulldog. His, his voicemail is, G'day, you've reached Robbie Slater. I probably won't get back to you. <laughs> so, <laughs> and and I've got to give it to you, Bulldog. You've never got back to me, ever. So that's fine. Yeah, but, but, but at least we know what his opinion was. what on earth was going on. And there's a serious note to this. The ABC were the only mm. free-to-air broadcast that, that actually bid... For the A-League rights. And now, going off reports today, they may have lost any hope. And talking to some sources that you and I know very well, Michael, they may have lost any chance of hosting the A-League ever again. And this is because after of this the pathetic, great work they've done on, pathetic, the, on the W League. This is not a, like we've tried to make a lot of it. It's not funny. Like That was absolutely pathetic what mm. they did last night. Yeah. Or, or, sorry, on, on Wednesday night. Yeah, but, but the point I make, though, that they've... they've You've got a wonderful uh, um, history with the W League. You know they, they've uh, they stepped up when nobody else would, and, and they've just tarnished uh, all the good. Well, work they do now to broadcast stuff. They they actually <laughs> have the, quite a bit of history. It's, in it, it's Rob. not the first time they've actually oh, broadcast I, I, yeah, a sporting I'm, event. I'm, right? I'm familiar with that, but um, the fact of the matter is that they. I think they, what the happened? Point that most people who are observing that 
uh, uh, observation that I made about the W League is that they did a great job there. Why did they put up this second rate? I mean, a, a university wouldn't have even um, rolled out. It this reminded me, Michael. I know you get your hand up. It reminded me of watching just Channel Thirty One Uni TV. That's what it reminded me of. I think um, I'm going to try and do this very succinctly, but the ABC2 management or ABC's management, whoever was responsible for coordinating and executing that last night, disrespected our game. Uh, they tried to turn it into a, uh, a, a cross-promotion for an entertainment activity that they're going to do down the track with the talent that were on the program. And uh, I no. think it... I think work. it failed miserably and it disrespected our game. Thereof, yep. and, it, and it actually showed a, a lack of understanding about where that friendly fixture sat in the landscape of football broadcasting in Australia. And they, they let themselves down. Um, having said that, Simon Hill's hanging around. And I'm very interested in <laughs> Simon's opinion of the broadcast last night. Well, what I do, lads, is that Simon was classy enough when he actually joined us tonight to not comment on it. So even though we're trying to make fun of this... I'm going to leave it at that. Okay? I'm not going to put words in Simon's mouth. That's good, because we don't want to disrespect our great guest, Simon, who is so generous with right, his Dino, time when he comes pointing. on. To, uh, and as, despite the encouragement from the juvenile Dean Hennessy here, who's, uh, who's trying to egg him on to say something that he doesn't really want to say. Well done, Mark. Nah, Simon's a classy guy. Brandon. Well done, Dino. No, no, I was talking about Gus Eddink. Uh-huh. <laughs> He's not a classy guy. No. Uh, well done, boys. Uh, you know, we are going to be back on stoppage time. Yeah. I thought this was stoppage time. I know. Uh, we're going to be back with more stoppage time next week. But uh, Yeah, it's, okay. Uh, all right, boys. Thank you. That's it. Over and out. Join us next week when we go from one end of the pitch to the to other. To the other, Rob. Yes, in the world game.